My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We're told in St. Paul, for as with the human body, which is a unity, although it has many parts, all the parts of the body, though many, still make up one single body. So it is with Christ. So St. Paul draws this analogy between the church and the human body. The human body made up of many different parts. We have a liver, we have a kidney, we have lungs, we have brains, we have hands, we have feet. Yet somehow it all functions as a unity. And he's saying then the same thing happens with the Roman Catholic Church. Where many individuals, where many institutions, many supernatural families all over the world in all sorts of places doing different things. But yet united into one single body, the mystical body of Christ. Rather beautiful idea. So on the one hand, St. Paul is emphasizing the diversity that there is in the church, but at the same time emphasizing the unity. And we find the same thing in the prelature of Opus Dei and in all supernatural families in the church. There's a unity of spirit, there's a unity of juridical nature perhaps, there's a moral unity, but there's also great diversity. <clears throat> but because of that unity, Every single little thing, positive thing that's done, contributes to the whole. Every time that our little toe is healthy, it contributes to the whole. <clears throat> if our little toe sometime had some infection, well, we'd know all about it. And the little toe sends out a message to the brain to tell the rest of the body that my toe is sore, watch where you're walking. Um, I need some treatment or I need special care or attention. And so the greatest thing that all the physical parts of the body can do is to contribute health to the whole. We try to keep our body well, we try and keep it in good shape so that it contributes that health. And that's every cell of the human body well, has its role to, to play. And so you could say that in the same way, every cell of the mystical body has its role to play. The individual holiness and virtue, human and supernatural, of every last person in the church contributes to the good of the whole. And so all of us have our roles to play. We bring our grain of sand. Now that grain of sand is a great contribution. And St. Rosemarie, I'd like to point out how we have to be good channels of grace to everybody else in the mystical body of Christ and also in this particular supernatural family. This meditation is about the communion of saints. An interesting idea to think about in the month of November, where we think about all the different parts of the church are united in the whole. The church triumphant in heaven, the church suffering in purgatory, the church still on her journey here on earth. And we believe that the three churches can help each other. 
Souls in heaven can pray for us. Souls in purgatory can pray for us. We can pray for them and help them to go to heaven. And so we're all united in this communion of saints. Where nothing is unimportant and where everybody has their role to play. I used to work for a vascular surgeon. And one of his main operations was doing what was called a carotid endarterectomy. An endarterectomy is where you open up arteries and you clean out all of the gunk that may be inside the arteries. So we know from research, etc., etc., that too much uh, cholesterol, cigarette smoking, butter, yamatroma, all these things eventually reaches our arteries. And that's why people get heart attacks or strokes or pains in their legs or all these other things because the arteries get narrowed, the blood doesn't flow through. So this vascular surgeon and others make a living out of cleaning out the arteries, and that's called endarterectomies. And this man, he focused particularly on the carotid endarterectomy, which is in the neck. So it was a very delicate operation because you're operating on an artery that's carrying the blood to the brain. So it's a very tricky thing. So a lot of precautions have to be taken. People come to complain about, well, sometimes headaches or dizziness or loss of sight because enough blood isn't getting through because the arteries are blocked. If anybody feels a bit unusual after this meditation, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need your carotid artery removed or cleaned out. No? So anyway, uh, you block off this particular artery. Uh, the patient is normally put uh, on an incline because now all the blood that's going to the brain has to go through the other side and you want even to get the benefit of gravity and you increase the pressure a little bit because if the patient wakes up after the operation and they haven't received enough blood flow during the operation to their brain, well, they won't be very grateful. So you burrow deep down into the neck because the carotid artery is rather deep. You expose the artery and then you clamp the, uh, the artery uh, having taken all the precautions beforehand. And then you very delicately open the artery, making care that you don't puncture the other side of the artery. Because if you do, when the blood flows through again, you'll get the watering can effect, no? uh, like a hose that has uh, holes in it. No? And again, the patient won't be very grateful. So you open the artery and then you clean it out, a bit like you clean out a drain, or you clean out any pipe. Mm -hmm. Surgery is a bit like that. No? It has a lot of other similar analogies. No? Mm -hmm. So you clean out this artery and you remove all this gunk that is laid down there. And then you sew up the artery very carefully and then very gently you let the clamp loose and you let the blood flow through to make sure there are no leaks because again if there are leaks uh, the patient won't be very grateful um, and one time we remember had to bring a patient back to theatre because something did leak no? had to be sewn up a little more but what's amazing is the following day when after the archery is cleaned the patient sits up in bed feeling fantastic no? because for maybe months and years, they haven't had that wonderful arterial flow to the brain. And now they feel like they have a new lease on life. And all the symptoms disappear. It's a bit like clearing out your drain and suddenly you get a flow of water that you haven't had in months. No? And it feels wonderful just to be able to fill your glass or your jug or something. Well, exactly the same phenomenon occurs. And so you see the benefit of arterial blood, life-giving arterial blood, which is a wonderful thing. And so those words of St. Josemaria who said we have to send arterial blood 
to all the other members of the church, to all the other members of the prelature, I've just sent it to the Father, to the Holy Father, to the Bishop. This is the great role of every Catholic in every parish. This is the gracious contribution that we make in the universal church to the mystical body. With the fulfillment of our norms, with their effort to be mortified, to practice our customs, the main contribution <clears throat> every person in the church makes to the whole is a spiritual contribution. And that's what God is asking of each one of us. And you could say that one of the main purposes of the Prelature of Opus Dei is precisely to help each individual Catholic of all ages and backgrounds and cultures to fulfill that role, to be very much a dynamic Catholic sending that arterial blood and also making the effort to remove any of the obstructions that may be there in the passage of that arterial blood, our laziness, our sensuality, our envy, our jealousy, all the bad things that come out of the human heart, our dishonesty. With regular confession, we try to remove all these things. And we try to remove them regularly so that little by little they don't build up because all those things can accumulate. So we keep the channels open and we keep them free. We make our whole soul into a better channel to distribute the grace of God. And this means that all throughout our life, that role never, never ends. And the older we get, well, the more effective we can get in sending that arterial blood. I was rather impressed one time in the Prelate of Opus Day at the time, Don Javier Echeverria, talked about John Paul II, in the latter years of his life, who had his Parkinson's, who was very limited in his movements, he was a very different man to what he was 20, 30 years before, when he was traveling the world, speaking to millions. The President of Opus Dei remarked, he's now more effective than he was 20 years ago. And of course, from a human physical perspective, one might not have thought that. One might have said, well, he's very limited, he doesn't travel so much, but he said, no, he's more effective now, because he's more holy. That's the sort of holiness and effectiveness that God is hoping for and expecting for from each one of us. The best wine comes at the end. I was at a deanery meeting in Singapore one time, and we were talking a lot about youth. And there was a 64-year-old Dutch missionary priest at the meeting. He spoke up very clearly at one point. He said, you know, all this emphasis on youth in our church. Well, I'll have you know, I'm 64 years of age, I'm not dead yet, and I'll have you know that the best wine comes at the end. It was a very powerful sort of statement, you know? And the best wine comes at the end. You know? Some of the greatest things that God wants from us are there at the end of our life, with that acumen of holiness, with that love of Christ, that desire to serve the church. We look at the great example Pope Francis is giving us at the moment. He's announced that the coming year he wants to go to Congo and Hungary, I think. No? Well, who at 85 or 86 thinks about those sort of things? So he's blazing a trail, reminding us that we have great things to contribute. St. Paul says we were baptized into one body in a single spirit, Jews as well as Greeks, slaves as well as free men, and we were all given the same spirit to drink. We have the single spirit. The Holy Spirit has come to fill us with the Spirit of Christ. We've been given that same Spirit, as well as the Spirit of Opus Dei. 
which has something very relevant to say to us at all moments. I was in the garden of Strathmore School last week and I was surrounded by 10 standard one kids who began to fire all sorts of questions at me. You know? Who are you? Are you Father Francis? Are you Kenyan born? Why is your hair white? How old are you? you know? I said, I'm 68. And one of them said, oh, my grandmother's 51. I said, thank you very much. <laughs> all sorts of subtle ways about getting messages across to people. You know? Well, we may be told all sorts of things, but we know that we still have a mission to fulfill. And he says that indeed the body consists not of one member, but of many. If the foot were to say, I am not a hand, and so I do not belong to the body, it does not belong to the body any the less for that. St. Paul goes into a lot of detail here. The foot might say, well, you know, I don't want to belong to this body, or I don't want to be in this place. Or the ear might say, look, I'm tired of being on the left side of the head. I want to be in the middle of the head, where the nose is. If we started to move all the parts of the body around as they wanted to be, well, we'd end up in an awful mess. But God has placed each one of the parts of the body in that particular place where he wants them to be. And likewise, he's placed us in this marriage, in this family, with these children, with these defects, in this parish, in this diocese, in this particular town, with these particular challenges. This is where he wants us to be holy. And he doesn't want us to be saying to other parts of the body, well, you're not needed here, or you're not as good as me. He doesn't want comparisons. That's a great humility, just focusing on our mission. Because other people have a different mission, and maybe they're different crosses that we don't see. But if the ear were to say, I am not an eye, and so I do not belong to the body, that would not stop it belonging to the body. If the whole body were just an eye, how would there be any hearing? If the whole body were hearing, how would there be any smelling? And so he says that each part of the body has, has its role to play. One thing we can be very grateful for and proud of is that our church does so many things. You may have heard me say many times before, I was at a pro-life meeting in Manila one time, and this lady doctor from Liverpool said, we can be very proud of our church. Because our church is the number one healthcare worker in the world. And also our church is the only church in the world that has stood firm on the sanctity of human life in the last 50 years. We may discover different supernatural families in the church doing different things. Some taking care of the physically handicapped, or the mentally handicapped, or the elderly, or the newborn babies, or orphanages. It's an amazing panorama of social work that the church is involved in. All because of Christ. All making their contribution. And as children of the church, the church is our mother. Well, we should always try and have something good to say about all these supernatural families which have done so much in the past and will do so much in the future. You think of all of the great teaching orders, what they've done in the, in the world in each country in the last 200 years. All the healthcare workers. It's quite amazing, really. Standards, enormous contributions. And so we can be very proud of our church and see, well, I'm proud to be part of such a wonderful institution. And also I have to see well, what I can contribute, what can I bring? How can I help this great body to be more effective? As it is, he says, God has put all separate parts into the body as he chose. 
If they were all the same part, how could it be a body? As it is, the parts are many, but the body is one. And so we're not here, not here to criticize or wonder about other supernatural families in the church or what contribution this person makes or this institution makes. We can't praise, we should say nothing. Keep our mouth shut. And Thomas and Maria says that in one of the points of the way. Very good common sense. Can't praise, say nothing. Maybe you don't know what sacrifices people made to make this school function or this hospital function or to bring catechesis to a certain part of the world. We don't know all these things. We find them all out in heaven. But they were all chosen by God to fulfill this role. People who were encouraged and nourished by the communion of saints, the prayers and the sacrifices people made to help them to go forward. And so because of that unity, when we hear that a certain part of the church is suffering in some way through persecution, well then that has to lead us to pray a little bit for them. There was a piece of news in the paper yesterday how I think 32 members of the Salesian community, Don Bosco fathers in Addis Ababa, were, were arrested in Ethiopia because they are Tigrayans you know, and taken away someplace that nobody knows where they are. But when we hear these sort of things happening, we can pray for those brothers of ours. A very good thing to listen or to read in history sometimes, what the missionary orders have done in places like China, what people have suffered to bring things forward. Very, very moving. I go to see a 95-year-old Celtigan priest in Thigio every so often. He was the first missionary to go to Pocot in 1952. He has some amazing stories. He said, when I went there, there was no education, no medication, and no revelation. And he spent the next 49 years sort of solving those problems. Wonderful stories. What some of these people have done in history is incredible. And of course, all of that now, to a large extent, is past the lay people. This is the era of the laity in the church. We have a lot to learn from our older brothers about launching out into the deep, taking on big challenges, seeing the evangelization of society and of culture as a big project for us. And we know, each one of us, with our own personal strength and weakness, where we can't do very much. But with the grace of God, we can do everything. Do the communion of saints. Because the grace of God can work all sorts of miracles. If they were all the same parts, how could it be a body? As it is, the parts are many, but the body is one. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. If we get an infection in our finger, and that finger sends a message to the brain, to tell all the other parts of the body that one part is sick, it all functions together. And the rest of the body sends nutrients, lays down a scab reaction, a defensive mechanism, to send cells that will heal that particular infection. All the strength goes there, directs the the, the, the forces of the body to that infected part. Well, one of the jobs of the Holy Father or the prelate of Opus Day or the head of any organization of the church is to channel a lot of prayer to the parts of the body that may be suffering or that need us a little more. What is more, it says, it is precisely the parts of the body that seem the weakest, which are the indispensable ones. It's the part of the body that we consider least dignified, but that we surround with the greatest dignity. 
and our less presentable parts are given pre greater presentability, which our presentable parts do not need. God has composed the body, says St. Paul, so that the greater dignity is given to the parts which were without it, so that there may not be disagreements inside the body, but each part may be equally concerned for all the others. We can thank God for this great spirit of unity that the Catholic Church gives us. Catholic means universal. We don't just live in our own little, little cave, unconcerned about everybody else. We're concerned for everybody in the universal church. Our Christian spirit we've been given leads us to be concerned for everybody, to have a love for all souls, to want to bring light and truth and beauty to every single soul that we come to know about because everyone is important. Now God has placed us where we are you know, to create those outer going ripples in concentric circles radiating outwards so that we make a bigger splash all the, all the time. If one part is hurt, says St. Paul, all the parts share its pain. If one part is honoured, all the parts share its joy. We hear that a part of the church is somehow suffering in some way or there's been some contradiction. Well, we, we feel for that part of the church. We love the church because the church is our mother. I love the church because the church is my mother and I don't let anyone speak badly of the church. And I stand up to defend my mother in all situations. Because I love my mother and I know that she's good. And I use for, look for mean, ways and means to, to make her name honoured in all sorts of ways. Now Christ's body is yourselves, each of you, with a part to play in the whole. Those whom God has appointed in the church are first apostles, secondary, prof secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after them miraculous powers, then gifts of healing, helpful acts, guidance, various kinds of tongues. Are all of them apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all miracle workers? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues and all interpret them? Well, obviously not. God has appointed people to fulfill certain roles and wants each one of them to strive to be holy in that particular role. We all can't be an archbishop or a pope or a priest or a nun. And God wants us in our place where he's placed us, in this family, in this marriage, in this community. But he wants us vibrant there, like a witness, giving off the fragrance of Christ, giving good example. Set your mind, he says, on the higher gifts. And now I'm going to put before you the best way of all. We look at this great reality of the communion of saints in the church and in the work and at the same time we come to see our own personal miseries and St. Paul says where therefore so that I should not get above myself I was given a thorn in the flesh a messenger from Satan to batter me and prevent me from getting above myself as we get older we may be subject to all sorts of different temptations the devil may throw at us all sorts of thoughts because if he can knock us off our perch, well, he's won a great battle. But we know, no matter what terrible thoughts may go through our mind, we might think of robbing a bank, we might think of doing things we never did before in our life. We wonder, where did that thought come from? Well, we know that we have the communion of saints, the strength of people around us. My grace is sufficient for you. About this, he says, I have three times pleaded with the Lord that it might leave me. 
But he answered, my grace is enough for you, for power is at full stretch in weakness. It's then about my weaknesses that I am happiness to all to boast, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I know that the power of Christ is passing through us. God is using our words, our actions, our example, that flow of arterial blood through our soul. And every time we go to confession on a weekly basis, where we sort of take away any little bit of, of bad stuff that could hinder the flow of that grace. And it's like you look at a pipe and you take away some little rusty pieces or you any little bit of bad things that get laid down there. The stuff that gets laid down in our arteries is called atheroma, sort of biscuity type of material that can block the blood. And so our weekly confession helps us to keep the channels open and clean and effective. So that we're always at our most effective in the mystical body. And God takes into account our weaknesses, our failures. We can offer those miseries, those humiliations, those cracks. He makes use of them and leads us to be more holy so that we can go forward to, to being more effective. The power of charity, says St. Rosemary in the way, if you live that blessed fraternal spirit, your mutual weakness will also be a support to keep you upright in the fulfillment of duty. Just as in a house of cards, one card supports another. I don't know if you've seen the story this week of a thing that happened in a school run by people connected with the work in Madrid. Uh, mother was collecting her children from school and she had the kids in the car and then she went to engage the gear and instead of going into reverse she went into forward and she went forward and she hit three 60 year old kids killing one of them and very badly injuring two others and of course this was a terrible contradiction and the mother of the one well, the kid that was killed was the secretary of the school she comes out to the car park rushing and she finds her child dead there in the car park embraces her in her dying moments but then sees the other mother totally distraught as what has happened and goes and embraces her Forgives her, tells her not to worry. It's been all over the Spanish media. The President of Opus Day has sent a message to that school, to those mothers. So many beautiful things have happened. Wonderful power of charity, of forgiveness, of helping others in a difficult moment. And of course, it's a school that's for girls, and the government has been saying that all schools should be co ed. And the Commentators were saying, well, these are the sort of beautiful things that happen in co-ed schools or in single schools. People learn perhaps how to be more human, more understanding, more forgiving, even in very difficult circumstances. We're told in the forge, think how pleasing to our Lord is the incense burnt in his honour. Think also how little the things of this earth are worth. Even as they begin, they're already ending. In heaven, instead, a great love awaits you. With no betrayals and no deceptions, the fullness of love, the fullness of beauty and greatness and knowledge. And it will never cloy, it will satiate, yet you will still want more. Live a special communion of saints, he says, and in the moments of interior struggle, just as in the hours of professional work, each of you will feel the joy and the strength of not being alone. St. Maria wanted everybody connected with the predator feel very much supported, encouraged, never to feel alone. Supported and encouraged, particularly by the communion of saints. 
knowing that there were people praying for me. I'm not alone. There was a story of a, a guy in the Falklands War, you probably heard many years ago, an Argentinian pilot who had to bail out of his plane, and he found himself bobbing around in the South Atlantic in a life jacket, no sign of land anywhere. And as he was bobbing around in the water, he remembered that all over the world, every member of Opus Day is praying for the person of the work who needs it most. And as he was bobbing around in the South Atlantic with no sign of land, the thought came to him, well, I must be the person of Opus Day who needs it most. No sign of land here in the middle of the Atlantic. And he felt rather supported by those words. And so he asked St. Jose Maria to help him out of this situation, very supported by the prayers of all. But then he remembered that St. Jose Maria never gave anything for nothing. He wanted people to use all the human means that they could. So with a lot of common practical sense, he thought, well, I better use the means that I can. I better start swimming. He didn't know in what direction to swim in, but he decided just to start swimming. Eventually, he found land and he lived to tell the tale. Buoyed up by the fact that everybody around the world is praying for me. And so we can ask Our Lady that we might be very aware of the strength of the communion of saints, and that we might feel buoyed up by all that support that can be given to us, and also all the arterial blood, spiritually speaking, that our Lord wants us to send to so many other souls. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Thank you.